listeners, welcome to Talks with Together We Care Fountain Hills. My name is Rory Wilson, and I am one of the founding members of Together We Care Fountain Hills. On today's episode, I will be addressing the impacts that COVID-19 has had on three different communities within Maricopa County, including Fountain Hills, Scottsdale, and Mesa. I will also briefly discuss the various advantages and disadvantages communities have in this time of facing the pandemic and why that is so. Now, there has been much talk over the past months of who is at the highest risk for COVID-19. Across Arizona, individuals that are 60 years and older are at the highest risk. But for today, I'm going to be focusing on racial and ethnic minority groups. Before getting started, I want to define a couple words that seem very simple and straightforward, however, are misused every day. For starters, a person's race is associated with the physical attributes of a person, like the color of someone's skin. Ethnicity, on the other hand, is related to how a person expresses their culture and identity. For example, someone who has black skin, that's their racial description. Someone who identifies as Hispanic or Latinx, however, is the ethnicity that they associate themselves with. And to add on to words that are commonly used with the intention of the same meaning, people who identify as Hispanic have origins in Spanish-speaking countries like Spain or Mexico. Someone who identifies as Latinx has origins in Latin American countries, which also includes Mexico, in addition to others like Brazil and Belize. I would also like to add that, yes, I recognize that there are many white people that live in low socioeconomic communities that have been impacted by the pandemic, affecting both health and finances. But as I continue this episode today, I am focusing on the racial and ethnic inequalities built into the foundation of our society. That's not to say that white people do not struggle with social mobility, but the reason for why they cannot move from a lower social class to a higher one is not because of their race or ethnicity. Here are some basic facts that you need to know about the three communities that I've chosen to discuss today. Fountain Hills has approximately 25,377 residents. Of that, 95.79% of those residents identify as white, 2.61% identify as Asian, 0.99% identify as more than two races, 0.27% as Native American, 0.25% as Black, and 0.09% as another race. While nearly half of our population has obtained a bachelor's degree or higher, the average household income is $119,590. 262,222 residents were accounted for in Scottsdale so far this year. White people make up 87.9% of those residents, followed by 10% of the population that identifies as Hispanic and Latinx, 4.92% as Asian, 2.71% as another race, 2.31% as two or more races, 1.78% as Black, 0.82% as Native American, and 0.10% as Pacific Islander. 56% of the population has obtained a bachelor's degree or higher, and the average household income is $129,271. Mesa, which is the third largest city in Arizona, has 527,666 residents. 82.8% identify as white, 5.52% as another race, 3.8% as black, 4.4% 
3.42% as two or more races, 2.29% as Native American, 2.04% as Asian, and 0.43% as Pacific Islander. 26.35% of the population has obtained a bachelor's degree or higher, which is over 85,500 people. The median household income in Mesa is $73,216. So, how has COVID-19 impacted these communities? Well, here's the statistics so far. As of August 3rd, the death rate from COVID-19 for Arizona is 52 per 100,000 people, which is an increase from July 20th that had originally been 38.5 per 100,000 people. There have been over 182,000 confirmed cases in Maricopa County and 3,933 deaths as of August 6th. In Maricopa County, the highest rates for coronavirus are Indigenous people, Black people, Hispanic, and Latinx. They also all have the highest hospitalization rates in the whole county. July 10th was the peak of Mesa's confirmed cases, gaining 668 new cases in just one day. On August 4th, it had gained 132 new cases. Although the new confirmed cases per day has decreased, the overall confirmed cases in Mesa was 12,987 on August 5th. That is over half of the current population of Fallon Hills. You're probably wondering how the racial wealth gap is related to combating COVID-19. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you already know that access to healthcare is related to the collected tax revenue of one entire community. Maybe you already know that mostly white communities have significantly more access to resources than those that are made up of more than just white people. But maybe you're not entirely sure why. Maybe you don't have enough background information to form your own concrete deduction as to why some communities are better at protecting their populations groups than others. And maybe I can help you with that. Although the United States is among the wealthiest countries in the world, we also have one of the largest wage gaps. Now, you probably heard that for every $1 a white man makes, a white woman will make 79 cents. But did you know that for every $1 that a white household makes, a Hispanic or Latinx household will make 73 cents, or that a black household will make only 59 cents? This large wealth gap between races and ethnicities has existed for centuries, since the first time slaves were granted earnings for their labor. Now, there's so much more that plays into the racial wealth gap, but today we're not focusing on history, we're focusing on the present. There are five central institutions that form the basis of our society. These include education, family, government, military, and religion. Healthcare falls under the power and control of our government. The government has multiple programs in place to assist in healthcare expenses, like Medicare and Medicaid. And to add on to those programs, there are also various private insurers that cover the costs of healthcare treatment for households. However, not every household meets the eligibility requirements, leaving many households covering their own medical expenses directly out of pocket. Keeping in mind the five institutions, I want you to take notice of what time period our country was founded, the different social classes that existed. 
These institutions were founded on the basis of four white people, especially those among the elite, to succeed in society. That means that racial inequality not only helped white people succeed a few hundred years ago, but the social hierarchy still favors white people today. What is the social hierarchy? Referencing sociologist Gilbert and Call's class stratification system, there are six levels within the social hierarchy. At the top, we have capitalists, the elite, the top 1% of the population that accumulates nearly 40% of the country's wealth. At the bottom, we have the underclass households that make approximately $12,000 a year. Between the two, working our way up the hierarchy, we have the working poor class, the working class, the lower middle class, and the upper middle class. Just from these titles, you can pretty much label which social class you're placed in society by yourself. The ones that we're going to focus on are the three lowest social classes. And although this does not apply to every single black or brown person in the U.S., there's a pretty good chance that many people of color were born into communities of poverty. Wealth and household income offers families to live in more sustainable living conditions and access to a wider range of quality health care. But for those who are brought up in low-income communities, ITP is very likely. ITP stands for intergenerational poverty. This suggests that children born into poverty are likely to remain at that socioeconomic status. In simpler words, individuals born into working and underclasses are less likely to achieve a higher social class. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that people of color that grow up in poverty can't achieve incredible triumphs in life or move from a low social status to a higher one. I'm not saying that one person's capabilities in life depends completely on whether or not they were born into a rich or a poor family. What I'm saying is that the socioeconomic level at which a person is born into plays a significant role in their life, impacting their overall access to education and healthcare resources. Healthcare can either be significantly funded or underfunded across the country, depending on where a household lies. If a family household lies in an upper-class community, then the tax revenue allocated to fund institutions will be high, resulting in quality and innumerable resources. In healthcare terms, these resources could be anything from healthcare professionals having attended Ivy League-level education, access to a wide range of vaccines and medical treatments, as well as PPE, like gloves, masks, etc. Higher institutional funding can also result in an extensive range of healthcare professionals, so that individuals won't have to travel far for certain treatment. This includes anywhere from family practitioners, psychologists, occupational therapists, optometrists, radiologists, and many more that aren't as convenient in low-income communities. On the other hand, if a household lies in a working-class community, Chances are that that family will not have as much accessibility to the same resources as those in primarily upper-class communities. Unlike families that live among the upper classes, there is much more at risk for those in low-income households. And because people of color make significantly less money than white people, even with the same credentials and degrees, the lower and working classes are populated more by people of color than the higher classes. So, why am I talking about healthcare and the racial wealth gap? 
What is the connection between the two? Backing off from the vocabulary side, let's talk about the basic standards of where low-income communities are located. Because housing and rental have become increasingly more expensive within the past decades, only so many people with a certain household income can afford to live in specific districts. Of all of the cities within Maricopa County, Scottsdale has the highest median for housing costs, being $433,500. Fountain Hills is pretty high too, with a median housing cost at $404,800. The overall median for Mesa, however, is just $209,700. Just a quick reminder for you guys, Mesa's most recent population count is 527,666. Throughout this episode, you've probably been thinking to yourself that I've missed one of the most crucial factors that plays into the impacts that COVID-19 has on a community. Size. I've discussed the statistics, but haven't quite drawn a good picture just yet. The size of the community impacts everything that I've talked about. Median house costs, the average household income, institutional funding, etc. So, obviously, higher social classes will be more properly funded. I've mentioned that. In smaller communities, even if they aren't necessarily a part of a higher social class, aren't significantly impacted by the pandemic either. This doesn't mean that there are absolutely no confirmed cases, but... Because the population is so small, COVID-19 isn't transmitted as much. But if someone who has tested positive and visits a small town, that's when it becomes a problem, and COVID-19 has the ability to spread a lot quicker. For larger communities, there's more opportunities for the virus to spread to different groups within the population, because individuals move around so much. Okay, so I've already overloaded you with a bunch of statistics this episode. So, I'm going to take a break from numbers and ask you to use your imagination for this next part. Now, close your eyes. Imagine that you're on a hike with your kids, or spouse, or even just by yourself. Beneath your feet, you feel rocks and a mixture of dirt and sand. You take a few steps forward, wiping the sweat off your face from the hot Arizona sun. One more step, and there, you've reached the top of Camelback Mountain, a trail you've hiked dozens of times, but somehow the view never ceases to amaze you. As you stand, directing your sight towards Scottsdale, you notice different structures in the lay of the land where you've made different memories. Old Town Scottsdale, where you would go for an afternoon with your family. You see patches of green and memories of golfing with your lifelong friends. From a long distance, you notice Shea Boulevard, and although it's not one particular place, it's a road that leads to numerous heartfelt locations where you feel at home. Now, imagine yourself near a park. You're sitting on a porch outside of Euro Pizza Cafe in Fountain Hills, and you watch as water cascades out of the large spout of the fountain. The Superstition Mountains and Four Peaks can be seen behind the various palm trees and neighborhoods, though not completely blocked from view. Fountain Hills has forever been a quiet and peaceful home for you to relax with your loved ones. Mesa has its magnificent triumphs as well. Multiple museums, hikes, and trails to clear your head, hidden coffee shops for you to relax the main campus for the East Valley Institute of Technology for both high school and college students. But unlike Fountain Hills or Scottsdale, Mesa doesn't have so many resorts and spas that are completely concealed from the public eye. Various farms, manufacturers, and aeronautic facilities can be found near almost every neighborhood. 
which does not make the town any less superior to Scottsdale or Fallon Hills, but this is a significant difference between the environments in which these various communities reside in. So what can we do to help low-income households secure funds to respond better during this time of COVID-19? Mesa has several different donation opportunities through the recently established Mesa Cares Initiative to help various groups in the community. One of the funds, Feed Mesa, provides canned food and water to those who are struggling financially and cannot afford groceries. Mesa United Way is taking online monetary donations to offer emergency assistance to businesses in the community. Scottsdale has a similar fund to Feed Mesa set up for non-perishable foods called Vista del Camino Food Bank. You can drop off donations in person or make a monetary donation online. American Red Cross also needs blood donations, especially for those recovering from COVID-19. Many small businesses are struggling in Scottsdale, and you can go to supportscottsdale.com for different ways that you can help them. There are so many more ways to help households and businesses across Maricopa County as the spread of COVID-19 continues to cause financial distress as well as concerns for physical health. It's as simple as typing a few words into Google and researching for five minutes for ways you can offer your support. There are other factors like environment, education, and more that have large impacts on low socioeconomic communities to discuss. I really do hope that in the future I can dive even deeper into this conversation about the racial wealth gap and institutional funding, and give you all a better understanding of the structure of today's society. If you have any questions about anything I've talked about today, feel free to email us at twcfountainhills at gmail.com. We at Together We Care Fountain Hills would like to thank you for listening, and we will be back on August 21st with another discussion. Thank you so much for your time today. Make sure to visit our website, twcfountainhills.weebly.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. My name is Rory Wilson, representing Together We Care Fountain Hills. Thank you, and have a great day.